Well, good morning, North Star. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Cole, and I am pumped that I get to be with you this morning as we look at God's word and join together virtually. So whether or not you're in your living room, on your couch, or wherever you may be, I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, for me, it was a 1986 CJ7 Jeep Wrangler. Yes, it is as cool as it sounds. And then it was a Ford F-150 Red. And then it was the nicest of them all, the Honda Odyssey, um, which if you do turn off the traction control on that thing, you really can burn some rubber. Um, there's a 16-year-old thanking me right now and a middle-aged woman cussing me right now. And, uh, and then it ends with the 2009 Toyota Camry Hybrid. Um, the picture you see up there, uh, it probably doesn't have a cracked windshield or missing hubcaps, but that's what I'm working with these days. Uh, and here's the common denominator about every single one of those vehicles. They all have a driving seat and they all have a steering wheel and they all have a driver, that there is someone who gets in there every day and turns the ignition and gets in there and makes the decision of where this car is going to go or how fast or slow it's gonna go. Are we gonna make the most efficient route or are we gonna take the scenic tour? Are we going to the right? Are we going to the left? Are we going forwards or are we going backwards? That there is one who makes the call. And so why do I bring that up on a Sunday morning at North Star? Is that in your life, even in your spiritual life, there is one who holds the keys. There is one who gets into the driver's seat of your life and determines by the decisions that you make how fast we're going to go, whether or not we go to the right, go to the left, forwards, backwards, because every decision you make comes with a destination. And so what about you? What holds the keys to your life? Because when I begin to think about this as a young person, I'm like, let's go. Like I get to decide where my life's heading. That sounds pretty rad. Like we go into the lake, we're going to Chick-fil-A. It's gonna be the dream. But then if we get honest with one another this Sunday morning is that then I begin to ask the question of if I get to drive, then why is it that I end up in relationships that have a lot of strife and tension? If I'm the one who gets to drive, then why do I have a quick tongue with my parents or my siblings, or if you're a parent with your spouse and your kids? Or, or if I get to drive, then why is it that I find myself gossiping behind my friend's back? Or, or if I begin to maybe step on your toes a little bit this morning, it won't hurt too bad. Why is it that seven out of 10 Americans have credit card debt, spending money that they don't have? or maybe a little bit more close to home that millions of Americans are addicted to pornography, a third of those being women. I thought that we were the ones driving. We're the ones who get to make the decision. Why do our destinations seem so painful? And I think that the answer is that we lack one thing, and it's what we're gonna talk about this morning, self-control. See, now when I first say that word self-control or two words with a hyphen, self-control, the thing that probably goes in our mind, well, I gotta try harder. I gotta do better. That I gotta get my want-to meter up to full gas so we can do this thing. Like that weight program, January 1, this is the year. Or for lots of us, this is the Monday. We're gonna start, this is the chance. I gotta try harder, do better. Or I'm not, we're not gonna spend the money this month. We're gonna do it, woo! But this entire series has been about this phrase received, not 
achieved, received, not achieved. So if I'm being honest with Northstar this morning is that when I first started looking at self-control, this felt pretty awkward because our cultural understanding of this word is I'm going to try harder, I'm gonna do better. This will be the day that I figure it out. And here's the deal. This is not a self-help message. This is not gonna sell books at Barnes and Noble. This is not a try harder message. You know what this is? This is a walk closer message. And then the second thing I'd say too is we're gonna be looking at the life in the words of Jesus. And I kind of have this picture of Jesus that honestly kind of haunts me in regards to self-control and Jesus being in the, in the middle of life with me is that uh, Jesus, there's this picture I used to see at a church and it would be like, Jesus has this like blonde feathered hair. He's wearing this like white flowing robe. He's kind of glowing and he kind of holds his hand here. Uh, and he looks oddly white for a Middle Eastern Jewish man, you know, that one. And I begin to look at that Jesus. I'm like, how is this guy gonna help me with self-control? Like he's just spiritual and ethereal. But here's the deal. The story of the Bible summed up in three words is this, God with us. Or even better, God with you. And so if God is with Cole Ragsdale this morning, if God has been with me my entire life, you know what that means? That means God with Cole in the mess. God with Cole in the crap. God with Cole in 2020 hardness. Because friends, in, this year, in the year that we're living in, the culture that exists, we do not just need a spiritual God who's out in the space. We need a God with dirt under his fingernails, calluses on his hands, scarred up, who's been in the battle, who knows what we've experienced so that you can actually stand up amidst temptation. That Jesus experienced the very thing that you're experiencing and he stood strong. And so we're gonna look this morning at Luke chapter four, verses one through 14. And as we do that, I want you to see three things in particular. I want you to look at the mission of Jesus. I want you to see the heart of Jesus. And then I want you to look at the mind of Jesus. And as we do that, I'm gonna challenge, I'm gonna put like step on your toes a little bit of what about your mission? And what about your heart? And what about your mind? And so we're gonna go there this morning. But uh, as you can probably tell, I'm a, uh, I'm a 26 year old who talks too fast, who doesn't know the ultimate things of life. Um, and so I would love, it's just before we really get into this, if we would pray um, and that we would ask God to like get in with us um, so that he can unlock this fruit of the spirit called self-control. So would you mind right in your living room, um, don't just listen to me pray, would you actually pray with me? Um, and let's do that. So Father, uh, God, the stakes couldn't be higher. Uh, there's so much temptation. There's so much challenge. God, how can we have self-control? Um, so God, I pray that you would help us this morning to read your word, to get into your heart and get into the mind of Luke as we read these words, God. And would you apply it to our lives, Holy Spirit? And if you would, would you pray? And would you ask God to speak to you this morning? And if you would, uh, would you pray for me and pray that I would be helpful to you in this task? And so Father, we love you and we will give you all the praise and the glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Luke chapter four, grab your Bibles. We'll be starting in verse one. I'm gonna read um, the entire passage and then we'll walk through it together. Luke chapter four. Hey, North Star, this is God's word 
for you this morning. And God's word says this, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give this, all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. So we've got a lot happening here in this passage. We see that Jesus enters the scene full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And then he has three temptations. See now a temptation, if we're just defining our terms this morning, is simply this. A temptation is an invitation to abandon your dependence on God. What the enemy is doing here in the wilderness is that he is inviting Jesus to abandon his dependence on God. He does it three times. Jesus responds with scripture, it is written, and then he gets out and then he leaves full of the Holy Spirit. So what in the world does this have to do with self-control? Well, let's look at the text together. Uh, back in Luke chapter one, we see that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he returned from the Jordan. If you've got a pen or pencil, you may wanna underline, returned from the Jordan. So then the question begs to be asked, what was Jesus doing in the Jordan? Um, so Luke is pulling us back to chapter two where Jesus is baptized. Um, and so Jesus was sinless. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. He's sinless. So why was Jesus baptized? It did two things. First, it is a confirmation of Jesus's person and it's an inauguration of Jesus's mission. Confirmation of his person, inauguration of his mission. Cole, big words, what are you talking about? Essentially what's going on here, confirmation of his person, is this is basically Jesus saying, I'm the guy. I am the awaited chosen one. I am the one who is coming to make all things new. That for my Jewish friends who may be listening right now, that Jesus is saying, yo, I am the fulfillment of the Abrahamic and Davidic covenant. I am the reigning king, the coming Messiah. I'm your guy. I am coming to save you. Or for my non-Jewish friends, don't know what the Abraham and Davidic covenant is. Basically he's saying, yo, all of the evil and the mess that you are experiencing, I'm coming to redeem and restore it. I'm about to start my wonderful plan of making all things new. And so Jesus, before he even steps foot in the wilderness, what is clear to him? His mission. He knows, Luke 19, 10 says it explicitly. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save me. 
and Jesus came to seek and save you. Friends, hear this, hear this. This is great news. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. Jesus did not come to give you a ruled book for your life. Jesus did not come to rob all of your fun. Jesus came to rescue you from the sin, evil, and death that this world gives us. His mission is crystal clear. I know why I have come, and it is to seek and save God's people so they can be in relationship with him. I have come so that they can find their way home through me. And so friends, if you wanna have self-control amidst temptation, how do you do it? We look to the words of Jesus. We look to his life, and what did he do? He kept his mission clear. He kept his mission clear. And so what about you? Man, what's your mission? What is your purpose? And as I look at the 66 books that are comprised in our Bible, I think that it's quite simply this. And you can, you can rearrange the words if you want to, but it's simply that your mission is to know God and to make God known. That your mission as a human being on planet Earth in 2020 is to know God and to make God known that we see in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Man, that God created you male and female in his own image to know him, to love him. And what do images do? Images image something. So God's mission for you, friend, maybe you are a doctor, maybe you are a lawyer, maybe you are a teacher, maybe you are a stay-at-home mom. Those are your professions, but that is not your mission. Your mission is to know God and to make God known. So before you ever step foot in the realm of temptation, would you have it crystal clear in your mind? I exist to know God and make God known because Jesus, in the midst of his temptation, it was clear he had come up from the Jordan knowing that I have come to seek and save the lost. I think another way we can see that Jesus keeps his mission clear is this. If you look in verse four, he says, in response to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone. And then in verse eight, he says, you shall not worship the Lord your God and him only shall, only him shall you serve. Friends, this is probably like one of the coolest little hinges of this message. And I really hope you catch this. So if you've zoned out, come back with me. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't suppress the desires of the enemy, but rather he replaces them with superior ones? That, that, that the enemy comes along and says, yo, well, like you need to turn this bread, this stone into, a bre into bread. And Jesus is like, no, 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 Satan, that's not a good idea. No, I'm not gonna do that. No, he replaces it instead with something better, the ways of God. And so in the same way, friends, instead of being, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to have that sugary donut. I don't need to have the third one. I, I don't need to do that. No, I don't need to spend the money I don't have. No, no, I, I don't, need to, don't need to be rude again. I'm not gonna suppress, suppress, suppress. Instead, friends, we replace it with something better. Self-control is not just about trying to keep yourself in check. You know that yourself will be in check when the spirit is in charge. Suppress, instead replace with superior desires of I know God. So we see from Luke chapter four that Jesus keeps his mission clear. Let's look, um, let's continue to look together as we see another part of Jesus. In chapter, in verse one, again, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So you see, we repeated Holy Spirit again. Okay, well, we get it. We get it, Luke. He's in charge of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, it says that, and Jesus returned to 
Galilee in the power of the Spirit. You see that, that Luke is trying to get our attention by repeating this again and again and again, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. As we see that Jesus' heart is incredibly tender. Jesus' heart is incredibly tender to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit that is to come, he uses this, uh, this Greek word, it's paraclete, um, and, and it means this whole idea of the encourager or the helper um, or the comforter. And if you were to get Cole Ragsdale's Greek translation, I would call the Holy Spirit the great nudger. That as we go through our lives, he is the one tapping us on the shoulder, nudging us in the direction of obedience. And so I would ask you, is your heart tender to the Holy Spirit this morning? That as you go through your day, are you experiencing these slight and subtle nudges that like a yield sign on the road, are you yielded to what God is doing or are you in the driver's seat of your car? Because here's the danger. If our hearts are not tender to what God is doing and what God is saying, then we will sit in the driver's seat of your car, of your life, deciding right, left, straight, backwards, forwards. And not only you, but your emotions and your feelings and just your urges. Uh, this, uh, a couple of years ago, I, uh, I ended up going to counseling every single week for a year. Um, was working through some grief and um, some pain from a pretty traumatic event. And um, my counselor would say this to me every single time that we sat down. She would say, Cole, your feelings, while they are real, they may not always be factual. And she would say, Cole, your feelings get a seat in your car, but they do not drive because my feelings would take me all over the place, but I needed what was true and what was right. I had dear friends say this to me, feelings make great indicators, but terrible navigators. And so I would ask again, are you being yielded? Are you surrendered to what the spirit is doing? Because when myself will be in check when the spirit is in charge. So friends, keep your heart tender. So let's look again back at the text for um, the third and final thing that we can learn about self-control through the life and ministry of Jesus. In verse four, verse eight, and verse 12, Jesus responds to the enemy with three simple words. He says it, and I'll read. It is written. Verse eight, it is written. Verse 12, it is said, depending on your translation. What is Jesus doing here? He is quoting scripture back to the enemy. He's saying, yo, I hear your temptation. I hear it loud and clear, but I am fighting back with the word of God. And so I would ask you, when was the last time that you fought temptation with the word of God versus your own will? That Jesus, the son of God, is using the word of God to complete the mission of God. Do you know that the two greatest tools that God has given you to grow in Jesus, to become more like the Son, is the word of God and God's people. God's word and God's people will help you become like Jesus. And without God's word and without God's people, friends, just to be really, really honest, you will drown. And I love that North Star is a church 
that is committed to the word of God and we are committed to our people. While we may not be gathering physically in a location, that we are gathered in spirit saying, God, we love you. God, we need you. We stand on your scriptures today. That the word of God is implanted into Jesus's mind and it is what he uses to fight against the enemy. So what has Jesus done? His mind is saturated with scripture. And this is our third thing, friends. How can we experience this spirit in charge, self in check life of self-control that we talk about in Galatians 5? Is that we keep our minds saturated in scripture. We keep our minds saturated in scripture. Because I would challenge you, this book is not meant to be a prop for your nightstand. It is meant to be a sword that is yielded in a spiritual battle. Would you fight back against the temptations to do less, the temptations for more, the temptations of the world with scripture? And so friends, there is one who holds the keys who gets in the driver's seat, who turns the ignition, and who decides. Right, left, forward, reverse. And I am telling you that when the spirit is in charge, yourself will be in check. And so friends, is your mission clear? Give the Holy Spirit the keys. Friends, is your heart tender? Who are you listening to? Give the Holy Spirit the keys. And when it comes to what is in your mind, what you think about and what you love and what you chase, give the Holy Spirit the keys. And so this week, I would challenge you that as you get into your car or as you go to unlock the front door, would you pray and say, Holy Spirit, I give you the keys to my life. Holy Spirit, I give you the keys to my life. Because a life that is submitted to the charge of the Holy Spirit is a life that is in control. May we be a church that is full of self-control. Can I pray for you? Father, we are grateful for Luke chapter four, that Jesus is not just some robed white man, but he's with us in the mess And so, Father, I pray that my heart this morning, God, would be set on mission. And God, that my mind would be saturated with your scripture. And I pray, God, that we would give you control, that you would sit in the driver's seat of our lives amidst the craziness, amidst the chaos, God, that you would be in charge. Let me pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.